wrapping up our fall series about uh, running the race. Okay, if you are visiting with us for the first time, uh, we have been studying out uh, what it means uh, to run the race. If you turn to Hebrews chapter 12, okay, um, that's where we get this from. And I've been going over this scripture quite a bit during this time. Um, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And um, today we're going to be focusing on uh, verse 3 there, okay, about not growing weary and losing heart, okay? We're going to talk about not giving up. And I don't know how you've been doing with your race uh, during this time, okay? But uh, one of the things that's good is to ask yourself that question. How is my race going? Uh, to go back and check and see how, how you've been doing. You know, last week Ben talked about finishing the race, okay, and uh, gave us some great uh, practical things for us to go out and try um, and asked us some really great questions for us to think about for ourselves in terms of how we are doing uh, with our race. And I hope that we, you know, took the time to do them. I spent a lot of time this week focusing on uh, making sure that I did not have an expectation or sharing something with somebody else that I wasn't willing to do myself, okay? And that was something that was very uh, important for me that Ben brought out is making sure that I am doing the things that, the, that God is asking me to do uh, in the Bible. But the reality is, is that our race is not done. We're really not that, you know, we're really not that far into it either, okay? Um, I looked up the average life expectancy on the internet, and as of 2012, it was at 79 years, 78.7, okay? We have a lot of college students in here, younger people in general, but that means that you potentially are looking at 50, 60 more years of denying yourself, putting God first, okay? Trying to do the things that God is asking you to do, all right? That can be a little daunting, okay? I got baptized when I was 18 years old, all right? And I just turned 35 about uh, four weeks ago, okay? So 17 years, um, give or take, a little bit less than 17 because I got baptized in April. Uh, but uh, I have, have time to go. And the reason that I bring it up is because I've been thinking about it um, over the last few years. Um, all the men on my dad's side of the family are dead. My grandfather died the year before I was born. My dad's two older brothers have died in the last couple of years, uh, the last few years. None of them made it to 70. Okay, my dad will be 60 next year. All right, none of the men in his family, except for my great-great-grandfather, I think was the only one that lived past 70 years old. So, you know, I know that 
that might be a little bit of a downer, but that's just been something that I've been thinking about lately. Um, you know, trying to make sure that I stay healthy and all those different types of things. Um, but our perspective has to be in the right place. Okay. Um, and I think it's important when we're talking about not giving up because our life can look two different ways. Okay. Our race can look two different ways. And I think one of those is how God sees it. And I don't know if anybody has ever seen the analogy of the rope or the string, but something that some people will do is they'll get a long string and I don't have one, so I can't like actually do it for you. Okay. But if you imagine like a rope that stretches all the way across the room. Okay. As far as God is concerned, our life is like this little section over here. And eternity, imagine if you will, stretches all the way across the room. And that's what God sees. Okay? This is our life right here. This is our time on the earth. But for us, the entire string is our life. And we don't really see what's coming next. Okay? And when we have that type of perspective, sometimes it is difficult to, to persevere in the things that God is asking us to do. Uh, turn to J over to James chapter 1. Okay. Um, I love the book of James. It's very practical for me. <laughs> um, and it's, uh, there's a lot of things in here that uh, uh, I have to really watch myself and make sure that I am doing. Because uh, I can forget quickly. Um, with everything that happens in life. Uh, but here in James chapter 1, in verse 4, okay, um, you know, James is talking about here about going through trials, and in verse 4 it says, Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Okay? This idea of perseverance comes up over and over and over again. And I could probably spend, you know, a several days in Hebrews chapter 12 looking at this idea of perseverance and not giving up and if you haven't spent the time to do that I encourage you to to take a look at that because um, God is encouraging us to just hang in there and to keep doing uh, the good works and really because you know Jesus has already set the example for us uh, to be able to do that and to make it um, and he's who we should be following you know, but perseverance is vitally important for us in order to be mature Christians, okay, mature disciples. And that's another thing that we've been talking about as a church is us being able to grow to maturity. We can't get there without perseverance, which means you can't get there without some hard times, okay, without some trials. Those things happen. It's, it's you know, the idea of perseverance without any hard times is they don't go together. Okay, one of the things... The word patient means one of the definitions for patient is long suffering. Okay? And I don't know, you know, I tell my kids a lot of times, you got to be patient. You know, you got to be patient. And the kids, they struggle with that. Okay? I have uh, two boys that are eight and five, and, you know, patience to them is, that's a foreign concept. You know, they don't, they don't understand that, you know, things got to happen now, and they got to be fast, you know. And the girls understand patience like you got to be patient with them. They take their time, you know. 
different things like that. I have 11 and 10 year old daughter who are, you know, going on 35 years themselves. Okay. They understand patience and the fact of how you have to treat them. You have to be patient with me. Okay. They don't really get it in the reverse. Okay. You know, but there's some suffering involved in that. Okay. It's important that we do that. I, had yesterday started coaching six and under basketball and I don't know how many people have seen six and under basketball okay but I probably wouldn't call it basketball it's six and under something but basketball is probably not the right word okay you have to persevere all right it's fun because I got uh, Sean my son and uh, Stone is on the team okay so it's uh it's a it's a fun group uh, we had our first practice yesterday um, but uh, I realized I'm in bad shape, you know. So I, I ran one lap around half of the court with the kids and did some stretching exercises with them. And at, at about five minutes later, my hamstrings almost cramped up. And my wife was laughing at me. She was like, she was like it looked like you were hurting out there. I was like, it's because I was. <laughs> it's like I was in trouble. So I might not be able to stand up here very long today. Uh, so that's why I'm moving around a little bit because it uh, keeps my legs loosened up, all right? Um, but there's suffering involved with perseverance. There's some type of trial, and we have to be able to get through them, okay? Um, and it's, it's very important. Uh, but really, I wanted to focus on a couple of things this morning is uh, not giving up and doing good, okay, and not giving up in prayer. Okay, uh, turn to Galatians chapter six. Um, the the do the the doing good stuff is interesting because on Wednesday night I did the middle school class, um, and again some they they do a pretty good job, but they you know they have their moments of um, lack of attention um, and talking about you know the popular topics of middle school. Uh, it's, uh, so it's kind of interesting, but we were talking about what it means to be good um, and being devoted to being good, okay? And one of the things that I know that I do sometimes myself, but I wanted to bring to their attention was I think that the word good has kind of lost what, it, what its meaning in our world. You know, Jesus, when he's talking with the rich young ruler, says, why do you call me good? No one is good except for my father in heaven. You know, we have a song we sing called God Alone, all right? And this idea that God is good, and really what that means for me and what we shared with uh, the kids, uh, what I shared with the kids was that, you know, one of the things that we get into, and you can see their eyes got real big because I asked them, what does the word good mean to you? And they were like, average, you know, it's just a little bit better than average, you know, something maybe nice to do. And then I read them that scripture, no one is good except God alone. And it's like, you know, deer in headlights. They're like, what do you mean? God is the only one that's good? Um, and so we had a good conversation. Um, but really that, we're, you know, nobody is any better than anybody else. You know, when we, when we do, you know, we can compare ourselves to each other. Okay, but that goodness comes from God. But God has an expectation for us to imitate that character in him and try to, you know, bring it into ourselves. And that's what we were talking about Wednesday night. Um, but in Galatians chapter 6, in verse 9, you know, this scripture 
when Keith asked me about talking about not giving up, this was like the first one that I thought of um, that I think about. Um, and it's, it's something that hasn't always been like the most meaningful scripture to me because it kind of, kind of seemed pretty simple, but I think it's very relevant uh, for me right now. It says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Um, and it doesn't say don't get tired. It doesn't say do not become weary or, you know, you can't be sad. You can't be down. What it says is basically don't get tired of doing good things. Okay, so for me, there's two things there. There's the expectation from God that we are doing good things in the first place, which is what Ben talked about last week. Okay, but then there's the expectation that we continue to do that, you know, and we got to, you know, we got to ask ourselves, are we in the first place doing good things? Okay, which we find in the Bible. It's not what the world tells us what is good. Okay, it's what God says is good. Okay, that's where we have to find those things. Okay, but it it can be tire it can be tiresome a little bit to do good things and to continue to try to have a good attitude. Um, we're going through we've got just a time in our culture right now where there's a lot of rebellion against doing good. Okay, I was telling Keith, I was like. Uh, I have a Facebook account, and I was reluctant to do it. In fact, it was an anniversary present for my wife uh, several years ago. I allowed her to make me a Facebook uh, <laughs> profile, okay? So I am not social media savvy, all right? It's not one of my things, okay? The only reason I have an account is because I get to see some of my former uh, college teammates, you know, what they're up to and what's going on. It's a way I can stay connected with them, but if... If that didn't exist, I wouldn't have a Facebook account. Because when I go on there, I just get sad. There's so much anger. There's so much hate. But there's also a temptation for me to participate in that type of stuff. It's like, well, you're wrong about this. And, you know, this is what you need to do. And, you know, and I just have to turn it off. And I have to go and sit and pray and, you know, talk to somebody about it. And, um but we, we just live in this world where there's, where there's anger and there's hurt feelings. And, you know, it's, it can be weary. It can I get tired of trying to do the right thing because it doesn't seem like it's working. Okay, but God tells us something different. He says that we will reap a harvest at the proper time if we're not, you know, if we don't give up. You know, there's a lot of good things that we know we should do. Okay, uh, James 4.18 says that if we know the good that we ought to do and we're not doing it, we are guilty of sin. Okay, and that's scary for me, you know, because like I said, I've been a disciple for almost 17 years now. My dad is an elder in a church in Gainesville, so I grew up reading about the Bible. I know a lot of good things that I'm supposed to be doing, okay? But that doesn't mean that I'm always doing them, all right? And I can tend to rationalize that with myself, Ah, it's okay, I'll get it later. You know, I know what the right thing is. and You know, I'm not doing the bad thing, but just, you know, so I'm okay. All right? But that's not right. Right. It's not okay. I have to continue to do what is good. Amen. It's not okay to, to just forget about that. Um, I want to, this is going to be a little bit risky, okay? But I want to read something to you. Um, before I do... I want to 
make sure everybody understands that I'm not saying that this is something that is spiritual, okay, or something that is from God, okay, this is something that I think paints a nice picture of what our world thinks is great and okay, but does give us some type of idea of, you know, not giving up, okay, so, all right, one of the things that um, I played football, okay, a lot of uh, people that don't met me, I didn't share that before, but I played college football, I played professional football, and sometimes in the locker room, people play motivational stuff, whether it's music or something, and when I, at the end of my career in San Diego, uh, a lot of the guys on the team got into playing the uh, final pregame speech from Al Pacino in any given Sunday, okay, and I don't know how many people have seen that movie, but it's a movie that's supposed to be about professional football. It's very loosely based on a professional football team, okay? But in some of it, not that loosely. Um, but the team is getting ready to play a game. They've been fighting against each other, okay? The quarterbacks are fighting. The starting quarterback's wife is mad at the organization. They fired the head trainer. There's guys that don't like each other. They're getting in fights in practice, in fights in the games. And the owner is, you know, getting ready to fire the coach. And they have to win this game, and that's where this speech comes from, okay? And I'm not going to read all of it, okay? Um, but that's where they're at. But they're basically, they're going through a hard time, okay? And the coach tells them that, you know, they're really going through a hard time. He describes it as them, you know, being in hell, okay, which is, you know, probably not true, right? Um, but he says, we got to fight our way back into the light. Okay, and that can be true for us. We can feel like we're down in the dumps in the dark. We got to figure out a way to get out of it. Um, but he says, you know, I can't do this for you. All right, I've made bad choices all my life. And lately, I can't see the face that I see in the mirror. He says, when you get older, things start to be taken from you. He's like, but you don't learn that at a young age. Sometimes it takes a while for you to learn that. Um, and when you do, you find out that, he says, life is a game of inches. Just like football, life is a game of inches. And he was like, your margin of error, whether it's in life or in football, is not very big. It's small. Um, and he was like, if you're, if you're off by just a little bit, you can miss it. But these opportunities exist everywhere around us. Okay, he says they're in, the, in every break of the game, every minute, every second. He's like, but well, on this team, we fight. We fight for that inch. Okay, we tear ourselves apart for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch. Because we know that when we add up all these inches, that's the difference between winning or losing. He goes on to say between living and dying. He says in any fight, the guy who is willing to die is the one that is willing to fight and win that inch. He's like, um, and he says, I know if I'm going to have any type of life, it's because I am daily living and fighting for those inches and willing to die for that inch. Um, and he says, that's what life is, the six inches in front of your face. He says, I can't do it for you. You got to look to the person next to you, look in their eyes, and see who you're going to fight with. Who's, going, who's willing to fight that inch with you? He's like, you'll see a person that's ready to sacrifice himself for this team because he knows you're going to do the same thing for him. 
Okay, and I read that because one of the things I thought about about um, not giving up is this idea that the only only times that I am continuing to persevere, not willing to give up, is when it means something to me, when I feel like it's important. And when I was examining myself to my shame, I was, you know, like I said, I played professional football. I'm 35 years old. I just told you I barely made a half a lap in stretching with six-year-olds, okay? But if a professional football team called me today and said, we need you to come and work out with us, okay, I would convince myself that I was in good enough shape and I would do whatever it took to go and play that job because I love football, okay? And that would be okay with everybody. That would be fine, okay? But when I look at myself, I can't always say that about doing good things. And that's scary, okay? And I don't know where we are, but what are you willing to do what are you willing to go through? What are you willing to sacrifice to be right with God? Right. Yeah. What is that for you? How much is that? Is there a limit to that? Is there a limit to what God can ask you to do? Where you're just like, nope, that's it. I'm not going to do that one. Okay? That can't exist. In our world, even in our religious community, we are starting to create limits yep. to water down God's word because people are unwilling to go the full mile, which is not fair because God has proven he is willing to go the full mile for us. He gave a son to die for us. Okay. And, but it's important. We have to be willing to do whatever it takes to be right with God, to do good things. Okay. We have to be willing to do that. Um, uh, Turn back over to Hebrews um, at the end of chapter 11, before we read this, part about the race in chapter 12 um, Hebrews 11 is talking about all these people that are be, to be commended for their faith and that described them they were willing to do whatever it took okay in verse 36 in chapter 11 it says some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison they were stoned they were sawed in two they were put to death by the sword they went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Okay, but these were all commended by, for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Think about that. All these people, they went through all these things to their death without receiving the promises of, full promises of God. But we have it. It's Jesus. Jesus coming, setting an example, dying for us, raising from the dead. We become a disciple. We get the Holy Spirit. We get a part of God living inside of us. We have that promise. Okay? That promise to help us to persevere, to do what is right. Okay? But we have to take advantage of it. Otherwise, it's a big missed opportunity. Okay? So continuing to not give up and doing good. Okay, but also in prayer. Uh, Turn over to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18.
I'm, I'm sharing things with you guys that, you know, these are, these are real and they're personal for me because these are the things that I've been looking at in myself. It's been a difficult year. My older brother passed away this summer, okay? Uh, my grandfather, who didn't have a relationship with our family because of the nature of my mom and dad's marriage being mixed race, uh, he passed away. And we've been trying to figure out a way to build that relationship with my mom and her brother and sister. Uh, again, it's been, it's been difficult. My kids have been going through some things um, for them being mixed race that, uh, that we're having to deal with and trying to help them through. Okay, so um, there's been just some, some tough things for us. And everybody has some difficult things that they go through. Um, but that's what's going on for me and my family. Um, in Ch Luke chapter 18, in verse 1, um, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I can pray when I feel like I need it. Yeah. Yeah. And I not always pray, just when I feel like I need it. Okay? And I know that's a problem, um, and I can recognize it's dangerous because I, I just I feel weighted down. I feel tired. I feel weary. Um, and that's, you know, when I feel close to being like, what, why is this worth it? You know, why do I have to continue to do this? Why do I have to continue to do that? It's not worth it. But it's usually because I'm not talking to God about it. Okay, I'm not praying uh, the way that I need to. Um, and that's a dangerous thing. Okay, Jesus wants us to pray, always pray and not give up. It's going to help us. Okay, down he tells the story. He tells the parable about this widow who doesn't give up asking for justice. Okay, and I shared with you guys way back in September about um, Savannah continuing to pester us about getting a dog, you know, and how faithful she was and asking and coming and asking and coming. And it's been probably a seven year battle about, you know, can I get a dog? Can I get a dog? You know, she's the persistent daughter. All right, and we have a dog now. Okay. We have, uh, we have Percy, um, and uh, he's great, uh, but, uh, you know, she's, she's been rewarded for her persistence and, you know, for her doing the things that she's supposed to do, okay? But here at the end of this story that God is telling, uh, and uh, it says um, down here in verse 8, it says, after this person was praying and praying and praying and she got what she wanted, and Jesus is you know, responses, hey, pay attention to this story. He's like, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? God is looking for us to believe in him and not just in word, but in action. Right. He's looking for us to believe and have that faith. Okay? It's, it's important. When you think about it, how faithful is God for us? He gives us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, even when we're not looking for it or even when we don't realize that it's there. He's putting it in our path. He gives us chances to repent, you know, repentance and forgiveness. That's a it's a miracle. OK, I was trying to explain that to the kids in there. And you, you, you don't always realize how important something is until you're trying to explain it to somebody else. OK, so it's like, well, how does that work? Well, you know, Jesus died on the cross and the blood and. He was baptized and the blood covers you. And it's like, well, you know, questions and questions and questions. And, you know, I'm trying to explain it. And you realize this is a miracle. Yeah. 
you know, this is amazing. You know, when you see, a, you know, 10, 11, 12-year-old kids like, really? That's what that means? And you're like, yeah, that really is. It's really that incredible, you know. But we kind of have the familiarity breeds contempt attitude a little bit. We're used to it, you know. We kind of expect it now. So we're not as urgent. I am. I'm not going to speak for everybody. I'm not always as urgent as I need to be with these things, okay. I don't have the faith in action that I need to have, okay. Um, just another scripture uh, along this is First Thessalonians chapter 5 um, these are these are scriptures that I go to um, to help me out because uh, I you know to help me to overcome you know the the problems that I have um, and help me to help me to not give up um, in first Thessalonians 5 in verse 16 the Bible says to rejoice always pray continually Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's God's will that we are praying all the time, yes. continually, to be grateful. Prayer helps me to be grateful. Helps me to not be proud, arrogant. It helps me to be grateful for what I have. I have a bit of a, a glass half empty personality anyway. A bit of a skeptic, okay? My wife will quick, be quick to tell you that. You get a chance to talk to her. Uh, she will tell you the truth of the matter. Okay? So my personality is already to kind of think a bit negatively. All right? But praying, realizing all the things that God has given me, it helps me to not be that way. Yeah. It helps me to understand all the good things that I have. When I'm not praying, I don't do that. And the longer that that goes on, the closer I get to the point of asking those questions again, why am I doing this? Yep. Yep. What is it for? Yep. It would be easier to do this if I had just done this. And that's a dangerous place to be in because yep. it's not very far from there to leaving, not being with God anymore, throwing in the towel. We can't be like that, Okay. Um, I think that there is something that is very, for me, important um, to help me always to think about uh, um, not giving up. And this is what I want to close with. Um, and I think it's, I think it's one of the, it's, it's one of the best things for me because, again, it's, it's all about a matter of perspective. Um, what am I focused on? Uh, what do I find important? Uh, what helps me uh, throughout my day, you know, throughout my week and throughout the months and years, whatever it is, I unfailingly always come back to, you know, what am I thinking about? What, what am I looking forward to? You know, we've been talking about a race. There is a goal at the end. Okay, in the end, is to spend eternity with God, okay? And I think that that is important that we remind each other and thinking about each other, you know, in that way. Um, the scripture in Galatians chapter 6 in verse 10 goes on to talk about to especially be doing good to the body of believers, okay? That we are supposed to be 
helping insulate each other from all of the, the weariness and everything by doing good for one another. Okay, we have a great opportunity to help each other to be able to be this way. Okay, one of the things is reminding each other of what we should be focused on. And so, as I close, I want you guys to close your eyes for a minute, if you will. Um, You know, the Bible talks about how we can't conceive of what heaven is like, but it does try to give us some illustrations, okay, which I think are helpful. Um, And I think the more that we can picture these things, uh, the better, all right? And uh, you can go and read this on your own, um, but I'm going to read it uh, for us now. Um, and this is from Revelation 21, okay? And the Bible says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for a husband. And I want you to try to picture, if you can, these things in your mind. A city coming down, okay? It says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Goes on to say, one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God it shone with the glory of God and his brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel like a jasper clear as crystal it had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates on the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel there were three gates on the east three on the north three on the south and three on the west the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the lamb The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and high as it is long. Okay, the angel measured the wall, and using human measurement, it was 144 cubits thick. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold as pure as glass the foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone the first foundation was jasper the second sapphire the third agate i don't know how to say that the fourth emerald the fifth onyx the sixth ruby the seventh chrysolite the eighth beryl the ninth topaz the tenth turquoise the eleventh jacinth and the twelfth amethyst The twelve gates were twelve pearls, the gate made completely of a pearl, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. I did not see a temple because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. God is living with us. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. Think about that. 
No lights because God is so brilliant. We can see by. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will his gates ever be shut for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does not, who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. One day we will get an opportunity to be here if we do not become weary and we do not give up. Okay? It would be sad if we give up and miss out on this opportunity. Okay? And I know that uh, we go through some hard things. Okay? But God is the best helper we could ever ask for. Okay? And we have a community of believers here with the body that can encourage and help us out um, and help us to do some really amazing things. Okay? If we are open and honest with each other and let each other into our lives, okay, we can overcome um, the things that bring us down uh, and we can one day be able to share in this together and Amen. I can't wait I think it's going to be amazing um, you know and I want to make sure that uh, I'm doing the things here on earth and helping uh, the, my family and people around me to do those same things so um, I am grateful to be a part of this body and to uh, be together with you all and um, I'm just encourage you guys that uh, don't give up. Yep. Awesome. Don't give up. Amen. Amen.